0: I was in seminary at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary whenever I got a job in Fort Worth to kind of help make uh, make my way through college or other through seminary and I worked at a place called Mindy Lou's Fried Pies you'll probably see there you go see the picture there Mindy Lou's maybe you've seen those around and in fact it's very possible that some of those pies that I made are still on the shelves but uh, maybe you've had Mindy Lou's really good fried pies and I remember one time I hadn't been working at Mindy Lou's very long whenever the boss came in one day and said, I have some places I need to be this afternoon and uh, you're going to have the shop all by yourself. You're going to work at the front counter as to sell fried pies when people come in through the doors. And then you're going to work the drive through as people drive through and order fried pies, which they did very often. And then also we're catering a banquet tonight and we need 200 apple fried pies. You're going to make those this afternoon. And I thought, I've been trained a little bit, but I I was wondering, am I ready for this? He said, see you later. And he got in his car and and left. And I thought, is that, did he really just drive away? I'm here by myself. Do, Do I know how to do this? And that is probably exactly how the disciples felt in Mark chapter 9. Peter and James and John and Jesus, the four of them, had gone up a tall mountain to pray. And the other nine disciples were left at the foot of the mountain. There was a great crowd down there. And there was a man who had a boy down there who, who who's. The boy was demon-possessed. And the disciples were left down there to try to cast out the demon. Jesus is gone. Here's what happened. Read with me verse 14. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy and it fell to the ground and he rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse. So that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? He said to them this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer we're going through a sermon series entitled point of no return and you remember I explained for the last couple of weeks that Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi asked them who do men say that I am and they said well some say Elijah and some say Jeremiah some say John the Baptist one of the prophets But who do you say that I am? And Peter spoke up. And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And at that moment, everything changed for Jesus. From that moment on, he set his face steadfastly to go to the cross. And from that moment on, he got more serious. He was more blunt. He was more direct. Some say he was even a little more harsh. Evil activity increased and he was going to the cross. He was at the point of no return and everything changed. And the next five things that happened were critical. So for these five Sundays we're going through a sermon series looking at all of those five events that happened after Peter's confession. Week number one, we looked at where Jesus told his disciples, there are things you need to stop doing. Last Sunday, we looked at the transfiguration, where Jesus went up high on the mountain, was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. His face began to glow, hair became white, clothes became shining like the sun. This morning, we're going to see what happens when he came down the mountain. Look at letter A on your outline, how did it, how to do it the wrong way. Letter A, how to do it the wrong way. Now, if you remember, first of all, let's go back for a moment. All the way back to the Old Testament. If you remember the Old Testament, Moses went up on top of the mountain, Mount Sinai, got the laws from God he stayed six days we're told at the end of six days he walked back down the mountain and do you remember what he saw he saw the Israelites there worshiping a golden calf you might remember that well now fast-forward to this Jesus went up on the mountain after six days Mark tells us he was up there with the disciples transfigured came back down the mountain and guess what he saw He saw faithless disciples. And here's what happened. While Peter and James and John were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration on top of the mountain, at the bottom of the mountain, the other nine disciples were in a great crowd. There was a man in the crowd who was looking for Jesus. His little boy was demon-possessed. And he wanted Jesus to cast out the demon. He's going through the crowd. Where's Jesus? Anybody seen Jesus? And all of a sudden the demon grabs the boy and throws him on the ground. And he's, where is Jesus? And they're going, Jesus is up the mountain. Well, where are his disciples? And nine hands go up. Well, here we are. Well, then you cast him out. And they tried they couldn't. So Jesus, Peter, James, and John, and went back down the mountain. They arrived at the bottom just about the time that an argument broke out because the religious leaders came to investigate. Anytime something religious is going on, they have to make sure it's all done the right way. And so the religious leaders showed up and they're arguing with Jesus' disciples. Why could you not cast them out in a big argument? It's just chaos. It's just chaos chaos and Jesus is making his way down the mountain and the Bible says in verse 15 something very interesting it said that Jesus is making his way down the mountain that the crowd at the bottom looked up saw him walking down and they were quote greatly amazed and ran to welcome him well, greatly amazed in English is two words, but in the Greek it's only one word. It's a compound word, and the word is ekthambio. Ekthambio means terrified or startled or alarmed. So my question is, why were they in terror when they saw Jesus. I mean, he's just walking down the mountain. Why do they go, oh? What startled them? We're not told, but a lot of theologians believe his face was glowing. Do you remember, he was transfigured and and then his face was shining and then he became normal again But maybe his face was still glowing if you remember Moses in the Old Testament he came back down from the mountain and he had been with God so much his face was glowing and he had to put a veil over it so people could talk to him remember that so it's possible as Jesus made his way back down the mountain they go look and he's glowing and they go whoa what's that and they're amazed Jesus got to the bottom of the mountain with Peter, James, and John. He says, what's going on down here? What's going on? And they were arguing. I could just hear it. Religious leaders, well, you guys, you don't even, what kind of godly people are you? You don't even have enough faith to cast out a demon. And I can hear the disciples responding, well, you are the religious leaders. You should be casting out the demon. And they were arguing back and forth. And Jesus said, wait, 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 hold, 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 what? what's going on? And a man came out of the crowd and said, Jesus, um, I've been looking for you. My little boy has a demon. Jesus, it's horrible. He'll grab my son and he'll throw him to the ground. And and he, he goes mute, he can't talk he has this spirit come upon him and the spirit grabs him and after he hits the ground, he starts foaming at the mouth and he starts crying out. The word that's used there in Greek for crying out is a shrill cry. I I can't make it. He's got this shrill cry about him, and and then he becomes rigid, and then after he becomes rigid, he goes into the fetal position. The word is used there means withered up; it means to draw up like the fetal position. Jesus, it's horrible. He does this constantly. The man said to Jesus, "I, I brought my son to your disciples." They couldn't do anything about it. Now, there was a belief back in biblical days that you could not cast out a demon unless you knew the demon's name. In fact, you remember whenever Jesus went to the cemetery, the, the, the Gerasene demoniac, and he was going to cast out the demons, Jesus asked the demon, what's your name? My name's Legion, or many." And there was a belief in biblical days you could not cast out a demon unless you knew the demon's name and you spoke that name. And so the first thing, according to, to beliefs in that day, the first thing a demon did whenever it entered a body was it made you speechless. It made you mute so you could not speak its name to cast it out. And so the little boy couldn't talk. And so they went, aha, that, we know it's a demon. And so the man said, I, 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 I brought him hoping to get some help, but your disciples could do nothing. And listen to Jesus' response. Verse 19, he said, oh, faithless generation, how long do I have to be with you? How, how long do I have to bear you? And the word bear means to erect. It means to, to hold up and support. How long do I have to support you in your faith? When are you going to have faith on your own? When are you going to get what I'm talking to you about? I've been here three years. Who is he talking to? The man? No, he used the plural, You. So he had to be talking to either the crowd or the disciples. I've been with you three years. Why aren't you better than you are? Kind of harsh, wasn't it? I mean, I was expecting Jesus to say, well, that's okay, guys. I mean, you know, casting out demons is really hard. It's okay. I, you hang in there. You're trying. I mean, you, you're trying, and you're going to get there, and I believe in you, and you're okay. I, I, we're going to get there together. That's not what he said. But that's what many believers today think Jesus is like. Well, I, I'm not who I should be, but Jesus says, Oh, it's okay. I, you'll get there. That's, that's not what he said. He said, I've been with you three years. You should be better. So let me ask you a question How many of you have been saved longer than three years? Me too. He expects you to be fully mature. No excuses. Fully mature. Some of you still aren't faithful to church. Hit and miss at best. And you're expecting God to say, oh, that's okay, you know, life gets busy, you work six days a week, I know, it's your only day off, I understand. That's not what he said. Expects more. Some of you still don't know your Bible very well. Been saved more than three years and still have no idea how the Bible fits together, what it says well that that's okay I know life's busy no it's not what he says expect more of you faithless generation how long am I gonna have to be with with you how much longer do you need to be saved before you know the book some still don't tithe oh it's okay you know I mean these are difficult financial times you got to be careful that's not what he says he says how much longer is it gonna take You've been safe for all these years. How much longer? I expect more of you. Some of you don't forgive others. There's somebody in your past did something that hurt you and you have not forgiven them and you don't plan on doing it anytime soon. Oh, that's okay. I know they hurt you deeply, so you just keep going. No, no, it's not what Jesus says. What he says is, How long am I going to have to bear with you? How long are you going to do this? How long? And you know, maybe, maybe it's time that we start being more spiritually mature I mean it's been three years or more he expects more and and maybe maybe it's time that we stop acting like God's okay with us not coming to church and maybe we need to stop acting like God's okay with us not knowing the Bible And maybe we need to stop acting like God's okay with us not tithing. Maybe to stop acting like God's okay without us forgiving somebody else. And just Sunday after Sunday, after week after week, still having that grudge. Oh, faithless generation, how long are you going to have to be saved? He was pretty direct. So now we saw how to do it the wrong way. Let's see how to do it the right way. Verses 20 to 27, letter B on your outline. I can imagine it got quiet. Jesus, I brought my son to you and he... Your disciples couldn't do anything and Jesus looked at him. How long do I have to be? You're faithless. And then he said, bring the boy to me. They brought the boy to Jesus. And whenever the demon saw Jesus, he went crazy. Because he knew his time was short. And so the demon saw Jesus as the boy was there, and the demon went crazy inside of the boy. He went into convulsions, and he threw him to the ground again. He started rolling around, started foaming at the mouth and crying out with that shrill shriek. I can imagine the crowd just going, My goodness, this is hard to watch. Jesus turned to the dad and said, How long has he been like this? wait a minute Jesus knows everything why did he ask the question of course he knows how long it's been happening but he wanted the man to voice it he said Jesus he's been away since he was a little boy since he was a little boy that demon would pick him up and throw him to the ground and he would just go rigid and clench his teeth and you could hear his teeth grinding Lord and then the demon would try to kill him. He would pick him up and throw him into a fire. And I'd have to, have to go get him out of the fire and rescue him. And then he would go take him and throw him into water and try to drown him. And I'd have to grab him out. Lord, he's tried to destroy him. And the Greek word that he uses for destroy is the root word for hell. He's trying to take him to hell, Jesus. Jesus. Just as a side note, the demon's ultimate goal, the devil's ultimate goal today is to take you to hell. Yes, he wants every one of you to die without ever praying to receive Jesus as your Savior. If he does that, he's won. He's trying to destroy you. So Jesus looked at the boy, looked at the man, and then the man said something interesting. The man said, Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus said, If I can do anything. Did you just say, Did he just say, if I can do anything? So, so what he was saying was that the man was questioning Jesus' ability. Now Jesus questions a man's faith. But you see, see what happened. The disciples could not cast out the demons and their lack of, of power caused another man to question Jesus' power. Did you catch that? And so I read that and I wondered, how many times am am I so weak in my faith as I try to live out? Other people see me and they think God's as weak as I am. (laughs) Sometimes our weakness makes other people question how strong he is. And so Jesus looked at the man and said, "If I can, all things are possible to he who believes." And the man started to cry, and said, "Oh Jesus, I, I do believe. Help my unbelief. I'm trying, Lord. I'm trying." And he began to cry. And the word that's used for cry there means that was the croak of a raven, shrill croak. I'm trying, Lord. All things are possible if you have faith. Dr. George Rawlinson, the old British theologian back in the eighteen hundreds, is preaching on this passage, and he said, One who has faith sets no limits on the power of God. And Jesus walked over to the little boy who was just rolling on the ground, foaming rigid. And he spoke to the de- didn't speak to the boy, he spoke to the demon. And he said, you deaf and mute thing yourself. Come out of that boy. Get out of him. I command you. I charge you. Leave him alone and never enter him again. And whenever the demon heard Jesus, he cried. And the Bible says there's the same word for that raven croak again. A shrill croaking The demon cried out and convulsed the boy terribly. He had one last shot before he had to leave him. And he's trying to inflict all the damage he can. And so the Bible uses the word polys, plural, many convulsions. Over and over and over, convulse, convulse, roll, foam, convulse, shriek, gnash your teeth, and then boom, all of a sudden, the demon leaves and the boy's limp never went oh he's dead Jesus walked over to the boy they thought was dead picked him up by the hand and the word lift up there means to have power over somebody he took him by the hand lifted him up and the boy was fine Jesus and his disciples all 12, 12 of them left and walked into a house by themselves interesting conversation followed look at letter C on your outline a debrief what went wrong what happened why couldn't the disciples cast him out I mean if you go back Six chapters to Mark chapter 3. Jesus gave the disciples authority over all demons. And they cast out demons. It worked fine. And then you go three more chapters, Mark chapter 6. And Jesus gave the disciples authority over demons. And they cast out demons. And it worked fine. And now you go three more chapters. And it doesn't work. They can't do it. What happened this time? Was this demon too big? Too strong? What happened? Now before I answer those questions, I just have a side note. I will say something very quickly. Demon and evil activity was very real in the, in the biblical times and New Testament days. And it's still very real today. The devil's at work today. There's evil today. There are demons today. There's evil oppression around you today. It's in our culture. There is evil in our culture. There is evil in our worldviews. There's evil in our values. There's, there, there's evil in the movements in our world that are considered to be progressive There's evil in our policies that are made in government. Evil is real. And evil still exists. The enemy still has a plan for you. Now I know a lot of denominations, a lot of people teach today that evil is not real. It was in biblical days but it's not real anymore. In fact, this time a year ago, um, my family and I, we were in Salt Lake City, and and, uh, it was a very cold day, and so uh, Lisa had stayed back, and so Camden and I, my son, we were walking, and so we looked at the the Mormon Tabernacle, and and as we're looking at it, two Mormon missionaries walk up, start talking to us. It got really pretty fun, Uh, and so they're they're talking to us, (laughs) and and so we're talking about different things, and and I ask, um, what what do you think about evil? Is evil real? And they said, well, evil theoretically can exist. I mean, it exists at times in history, like, for example, Hitler was evil. And so there are times throughout history that a person will be evil, yes. But it's not around us all the time. Oh, no, no. Oh, yes, yes. It is. Jesus talked about that. The New Testament talked about it. there is evil around us trying to influence you and me. And so they asked Jesus, Jesus, why, why could we not drive out the demon? And Jesus replied, This kind can only be cast out by prayer. And so the implication was that the disciples had not even prayed about casting it out. They thought, well, let's see, I did it in Mark 3 and it worked fine. I did it in Mark chapter 6 and it worked fine. Here's this demon now. Okay, let's just do it again. And the implication is they didn't even pray about it. They didn't even ask God for help. They just tried to do it because they'd done it before. They assumed since they had power in the past. They would have power then, and they were wrong. They thought they had enough power on their own to win spiritual battles, but the truth was their power came from a day-by-day dependence upon Jesus. That's where the power was. Folks, many, many of us think at times, oh, I've got power enough to withstand this temptation. I've got power enough to to not do this. I've got power enough to to win this battle over here. The fact is, just because you won them in the past means nothing today. Just because you were ordained as a deacon 15 years ago doesn't mean anything today as far as power goes. Just because you were a Sunday school teacher years ago or your grandparents were godly people means nothing to you today. The power is day by day dependent Upon Jesus. Amen. So, was the demon too powerful? No, the disciples were too weak. Was the demon too big? No, the disciples' faith was too small. And we do the same. Wake up in the morning, we don't even pray. We just go through, start on the day and we do this and we do that and all the time thinking, now God, if I, you're up there, I know if I need you. If I find a situation that I can't handle, I'll call on you. And Sometimes we get up to start the day and never even pray. And you'll never have power like that. You will live a defeated life all the time. If that's your approach, because every day you need fresh power from God. So here's my question: you'll see it on the screen. Self-reliance or God-reliance? Now, our tendency is toward self-reliance. I can do it. But the way you win victories is every day. God reliance. Jack Miller was the pastor of New Life Presbyterian Church in Jenkintown, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia. At the same time he taught theology at Westminster Theological Seminary also in Philadelphia and here's a picture of Jack Miller. Jack passed away a few years ago but he was a He was a great pastor, pastored for 20 years, same church, and he pastored, or rather he taught theology at the seminary for 20 years, good teacher at the seminary. In fact, Jack's uh, famous line, he used to say, cheer up everybody, you're a lot worse off than you think you are. But Jesus loves you far more than you can ever imagine he does. Jack Miller had been preaching and teaching for 20 years and finally he got really discouraged. He said, I'm not making any difference. My congregation did the same. They don't change. My, my the seminary students, they don't change. They come in, they get their degrees, they graduate. Nothing ever changes. I'm not making any difference. I've, I've been doing this 20 years. I'm not making any difference. It's just time to quit. And so he offered his resignation to the church. Offered his resignation at the seminary. I'm done. Can't make any more difference. And he said I became very depressed and for the next two weeks all I did was cry he said I just cried uncontrollably all the time my wife suggested Jack said that we go to Spain I love Spain Spain's always been something that kind of recharges me and so she suggested we go to Spain so we did and we spent three and a half months in Spain And he said, every day I would go out to overlook the Mediterranean and I would just contemplate on God and contemplate on his promises and I just poured over his word. And he said, it was just like a healing started coming back to me. It was like a a mountaintop experience. And after three and a half months, one day, sitting beside the Mediterranean, I went, That's it. That was my problem. It wasn't the people, it wasn't the students, it was me. I made two mistakes. And so he came back to the States. He flew back to Philadelphia. He went to his church and he said, I'm sorry, can I have my position back? They said, absolutely. They hired him back as their pastor. He went back to the seminary. He said, man, can I have my old teaching position back? I apologize. They said, absolutely. Gave him his teaching position back. And And he told his students and he told his congregation the very first day back, I apologize to you. I made two mistakes. He said, number one, I'd gotten to the place I was more concerned about what you thought than what God thought. And I was wrong. And I apologize to you. And my second mistake was I became too self reliant and not God reliant. I thought I could do this job in my own abilities. I'd been doing it for so long, I thought I could do it myself. I was too self-reliant and not God reliant and I'm sorry church began to change he had a great ministry from there on he was a great teacher students loved him from then on he writes about it in fact he wrote about it in a book entitled the heart of a servant leader And he wrote about that entire experience going to Spain, what God showed him. He wrote about it all, and a few years ago, Jack Miller passed away after a strong ministry went to be with the Lord. So here's my question for you. Too concerned about what people think and not what God thinks? Number two, are you too self-reliant And not God reliant you'll never cast out the demons if you're too self-reliant let's pray together father I want to thank you today for your word and thank you for this powerful story and God so many times I've been those nine disciples at the foot of the mountain wondering why there's no power when there was last time And God, I know that there are people all over our congregation, people watching by live stream wondering why they're living powerless lives. God, I pray today that we'll determine, first of all, we'll be more concerned about what you think than what people think. And second of all, God, we'll not rely upon ourselves, we'll rely upon you. And Father, I want to pray a special prayer for everybody watching by live stream and everybody here live, a special prayer this morning, Father, that if they've been saved for three years or more, they'll become spiritually mature like you desire. They'll start being faithful in church like you said. They'll start reading your word and knowing this book backwards and forwards. They'll have no excuses. Father, they'll begin to become obedient to you. They'll tithe. They'll forgive others. They'll do everything you want them to do. And God, they'll become spiritually mature with no excuses. That's my prayer for them. And now, God, whatever decisions you want us to make, make may we make them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.